good to see everyone out this morning. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Looking forward to a wonderful morning in the Lord's house. Hope you prayed and have been preparing your heart for what the Lord has for us. And uh, let's go to the Lord and ask him uh, to join us this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this morning. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, that you give us exactly what we need to hear this morning, that we may be better servants for thee. Lord, we love you and give you praise and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' name, amen. All righty, good morning. Go ahead and keep handing in your prayer. Um, we are seven and a half weeks pregnant again. But there's uh, some minor complications with it right now. So she's home on bed rest for the moment. But just keep her in your prayer if you would. Go ahead and turn to 99. Hymn number 99. Let's do this first, second, and last. Back to 89, let's all stand. 
Alrighty, go ahead and turn back to 109. 109. Lord's faithful in his timing, right?
gratefulness or faithfulness Andy's grateful and and I do appreciate you being here this morning hope and pray that you've already been encouraged for being in the Lord's house amen I would ask that you would continue to pray for those that aren't able to be here this morning brother Adam is homesick and uh, my wife is sick and uh, so there's others that are that I heard of not feeling well today so you just remember if you see people that aren't uh, you, you don't see people here that are normally here. You pray for them, and the uh, Lord knows that each and every situation. So would ask that you would uh, just remember uh, each other in prayers. And uh, this morning, I'm going to invite you to John chapter number four, uh, 1 John chapter number 5 this morning. Then let's use that as a springboard. 1 John chapter number 5, and we're going to read verses 4 and 5, and then we'll be back in Joshua. <laughs> 1 John chapter number 5, verse 4 and 5. The Bible says this, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace. Lord, once again, we ask that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, I, I pray that you would give us exactly what we need to hear today. Lord, I know there's some that are hurting. Lord, I know there's some that are, uh, Lord, discouraged. And Lord, I pray that you would meet each need according to your will. And Lord, we'll just give you all the praise and the glory and the honor that comes from it. Lord, I pray if there's one here, most importantly, that's here that's not saved, I pray that today would be the day of salvation. Speak to our hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name, amen. Notice in this verse here that the Bible says, For whosoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world. I see in this verse that we can have the victory. I see so many Christians today that are uh, living in spiritual poverty. They're living in a, uh, a life that is, uh, they're, they're failing to experience the victory in their lives. And I, I, I see that throughout the, the Word of God, and we're going to read in uh, Joshua also. We'll be in the book of Joshua in chapter number 3. If you want to turn back, that's where we'll be the remaining part of the service. Um, when the Lord brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, He, he led them to, uh, to the Promised Land. Now, this took them about two years to make the trip. And during that time, the Lord gave them the law. He told, taught them how to worship Him. And, and uh, when they arrived at Jordan, all they had to do was to, uh, uh, to enter the land and claim uh, what was promised to them. 
Instead of going forward by faith, the the people of Israel, they refused to claim the promises of God. They refused to uh, claim their inheritance from Canaan and Canaan there. Because of adversaries and because of uh, obstacles, they they wanted to turn back around and go back to Egypt. We know the story. Uh, Back to the very people that enslaved them. And God punished them severely for their lack of faith. Their lack of faith. He condemned them to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, and uh, because they, uh, until this time of all those people that refused to go into Canaan and uh, uh, until they died off. And because of their unbelief, Israel uh, was sentenced to wander in the wilderness for 40 years. In Joshua chapter 3, those years have expired now, and, and the children of Israel are ready to enter into Canaan. And they are ready to claim their inheritance in the land of promise. Before they can enter Canaan, they, they had to first go through a great obstacle. That obstacle was the Jordan River. Now let's read here what it says in Joshua chapter number 3. We'll start in verse 1. It says, And Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and uh, came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there uh, before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host. And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about two thousand cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye may you must go. And ye have not passed this way here heretofore. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spake unto the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people. And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. Now. I believe that we all face adversities from time to time. Every single one of us, I don't care how young or old you are, uh, from time to time you're going to face uh, obstacles, you're going to face opposition, you're going to face adversities, you're going to face problems. It's going to happen. And a lot of times these obstacles, they seem to hinder us from uh, claiming the spiritual victories that God has given to us. You see, we may feel that uh, we'll never be able to experience victory and enjoy the abundant life that Jesus has promised us as his followers because of these obstacles or because of these things that we are facing in our lives. While it may be true that I don't know exactly what you're going through today, I do know a God that specializes in opposition. He specializes in problems. He specializes in things that seem to be overwhelming to us. God can and he will. See, today I would like for us to watch Israel as they move through the Jordan River. And as they do, I'd like, us to, I'd like to offer some hope, uh, some strategies, if you will, to, uh, that worked uh, for Israel over 3,000 years ago, can still work today if we allow it. I want to preach from Joshua chapter 3 here on this, this topic here, Claim the Victory. Claim the Victory. You see, there are some strategies that we must implement in our lives if we are going to move past our adversities and reach our spiritual victories. God wants us to have life and to have it more abundantly. 
God wants us to have spiritual victories in our lives. You see, allow me to share these strategies with you this morning. Number one, I want you to consider the message. The message, it is a challenging message. Look there again in verse 3 and 4. It says, And they commanded the people, saying, When ye see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests of the Levites bearing it, then ye shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near it unto it, that ye may know the way by which ye must go, for ye have not passed this way heretofore. When it came to time for the, the people uh, to move forward uh, to cross Jordan, God has a message that they needed to hear. And the words they heard, they, they were challenged to do three very uh, important uh, things. These things are designed to help them follow the Lord better. And if we'll uh, implement in our lives, it'll help us to follow the Lord better as well. Number one, what we must do, uh, it's a challenging message, but number one, we need to focus on God. We need to focus. If you're going to get the, uh, experience the victories, we've got to focus on Him. Not on the obstacles, not on the problems, not on the troubles, not on all the other things that are around Him. If we're going to ever experience the victories, we've got to focus on Him. Notice the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned seven times in chapter 3. The Ark, you may remember, was a special piece of, uh, of tabernacle furniture that symbolized the presence and the power of God. When the Ark was in the holies of the holies, the glory of God rested upon it, and it was uh, the dwelling place of God. To Israel, it represented God's presence in, in the midst of His people. In other words, uh, when God moved... They were to move. When God stopped, they were to stop. And there is a very valuable lesson here in this passage for us, uh, for us to understand. Uh, we, should do, uh, we should do the same. When we face times of crisis or when we need direction in our life, we need to learn to be sensitive to the direction of God, to the movement of God. We need, we need to focus on Him. It is a fact that God loves you and that He will show you the way. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understandings. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. God will direct your paths. We need to focus on Him. But then I believe number two, we need to follow God. We need to follow Him. Not just focus on what God tells us to do, but we need to follow what God tells us to do. You know, there's a lot of people that know what God tells us to do, but they don't do what God tells them to do. And there's a big, hey, if you want to experience, I'm talking about a folk, a people that want to claim the victory, the spiritual victories in their lives. It's focusing on God. It's following God. It's doing as he says. When they saw the Ark of the Covenant move, they were to remove from the pla your place, the Bible says here, remove from your place and go after it. He, they're saying, hey, wherever it goes, you go after it. They were to pursue God. They were to follow God. There comes a time when you must go after Him. This may require you to leave the comfort zone that you uh, are, are currently in. Israel was about to follow the ark through a river that was over one mile wide. That couldn't have been easy, but it was necessary and it was what was right. Following God may not be easy, but it will be the best thing that you will ever do. 
If you ever, ever expect to experience a victory, we must learn to focus and follow God. And then we need to fear God. Notice the, that the Israelites are told to stay at least 3,000 feet behind the ark. This was so that they could easily see what was happening ahead of them. Another reason is that the Lord wanted no one but the Levites to touch the ark. They didn't want them near the ark. We know why, because if they touched the ark, immediately what would happen? They would die. They, didn't, they, were, they weren't the ones that were supposed to, they weren't the ones that were supposed to touch it. See, there's a lesson for us here as well. We must never be guilty of treating God like He's one of our buddies. There should be a reverence, a fear of God and what He's doing in our lives. He must always be a holy reverence. There must always be a holy reverence and a fear of the Lord in our lives. God help us that we will never allow a spirit of familiarity to cheapen our walk with the Lord. Simply put, these three things are most easily accomplished by learning to walk in the Spirit. That is learning to give God control of your life in every situation. Allowing the Spirit of God to lead us and that we would follow after Him. It may not always be easy, but I can promise you that if you will follow, He will certainly lead. Not only is it a challenging message, but notice secondly, it's a commanding message. Look there in verse 5, it says, And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. The next thing the people were told to do was to sanctify themselves. This is referred to being sure that they were clean and holy as possible. I'm talking about a people that are wanting to claim spiritual victory. You know what I'm seeing today? So many Christians, I'll use that term loosely that are willing to wallow in the world, want to act like the world, talk like the world, walk like the world, be like the world, and experience the victories that God has for them. That ain't how it works, folks. God uses clean, holy vessels, vessels of honor. God wants to use you, and He can use you if you will sanctify yourself. Be holy, for I am holy. That's what God tells us to do. It's a commanding message. They're to sanctify themselves. This is referred to being clean and holy. They were to, to put away anything that was displeasing to God. They were to examine themselves and get ready for the Lord to do something great for them and in them and through them. If you and I ever expect to experience the victories in our lives, we're going to have to learn that we're, we must examine our lives and see if there's any wicked way in me and repent and turn from those wicked ways. May the Lord help us to realize that many of the things that happen in our lives that prevent us from experiencing the victory uh, is because of the sin in our lives or because of the Lord's chastisement. Christian, let me ask you, is there anything in your life that's not pleasing to the Lord? Then I tell you this, repent, turn away from it. You know, the Bible says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But then I see it's a committing message. 
There in Joshua 3, verse 9 through 13, it says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither, and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you, and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Hivites, and the Perizzites, and the Gargashites, and the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take you twelve men out of the tribe of Israel, out of every tribe a man, and it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of your feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of Jordan, and the waters of Jordan shall be cut off from the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon an heap. This message to the Israelites reminded them that getting across the Jordan did not rest on their shoulders. It didn't rest on their shoulders, but on the Lord's Shoulders. He made a commitment to them. It was his plan to get uh, them over, and it was God's problem. Can I just remind you here, if God tells you to do something, God's going to give you the means to get that job accomplished. You don't have to, listen, your job is just to follow his direction. Do as he tells you to do. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. See, he, will, he makes them a promise and tells them that he will bring them through in a powerful fashion. God commits himself to bring his people across their Jordan. All that was required of Israel was that they would trust God. May I remind you that God has not changed one bit. If God could be trusted in those days to keep his promises, then he can still be trusted today. Often we are unable to get past the obstacles in our lives because we live a life that exhibits a deep lack of faith. A lack of faith in the promises of God. How do I know? Because of the worry and the doubt that marks up our lives and the lives of the people of God. We are told not to worry about tomorrow. But we worry about tomorrow. The Bible says, take, not, uh, take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the, uh, the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We worry about material things. Yet the Lord has promised, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We worry about facing various things in life, yet the Lord has promised to let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. We worry over so many things, yet the Lord tells us that all of our worry is sin and that our duty is just to trust Him. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and uh, thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The bottom line is this. Jesus is all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's all-present. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. He knows everything about it better than what you know. Here's what he says to you. The just shall live by faith. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Why are you so fearful, all ye of little faith? All this reminds us that he is Lord and that he is greater than any problem or any obstacle or any situation that you'll ever face. We need to remember that what the Lord has promised to do, He will do it. 
Romans 4.21 says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he, will, he was able also to perform. We consider the message. Now I want you to consider the miracle. For the miracle, we can consider the miracle. We need to notice there's a problem. What's the problem? They, well, the Israelites are there. Look there in verse 15. For the Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of the harvest. The children of Israel were facing a big, a big, huge problem. The river was over one mile wide, and there were two million people who had to cross. And yet the Lord wanted them to go over. They couldn't, they couldn't build a bridge. There wasn't enough time or materials. They couldn't transport over by boats. There was only one way around the problem, and that was through it. Now, to me, I, I just kind of, I, I like uh, what Brother Bobby says, read it in living color. And, uh, I, I always say, put your, uh, put your feet in their shoes or their satchels or whatever you want to say, their, their sandals. Or, but I, when I look at this and I think of the Jordan River, I don't think of a calm, calm waters. Because it takes faith. I believe that this, I believe that the waters were just, uh, as the Bible very clearly describes it here, that is, they're swell, they're, they're sweltering. I mean, they're, the waters are brewing up. It is a scary situation that they're facing. Have you ever sized up the obstacles that, and thought about how big that problem was? I don't care, physical, financial, emotional, social, Spiritual, whatever, you name the problem. Maybe you look at it and concluded, you concluded there's no around, way around this. This problem's too big. I suppose we've all been like the ten spies that come over with Joshua and Caleb and we size up our problem and think that it's more than we can ever face. Our problem is the same. When we face a difficult situation, we forget about the solution and that solution is God. Where we see only problems, God sees only solutions. Where we look at things and say, there's no way, God looks at the problem and says, follow me, I have a plan. So we see the problem, but then notice the plan. The plan was this, God said, when the feet of the priests enter Jordan, I am going to part the waters and lead you through on dry ground. There was a catch in this plan and it was that the waters would not part until the priest who were carrying the ark stepped into the water. Now, in other words, it took a step of faith. Whereby the people obediently followed the Lord for them to see the miracle come to pass. What a lesson for you and me today. Too often we want the Lord just to fix everything. and God, just, just take care of it. We don't, want to have, we don't want to have to make any decisions, nor do we want to have to exercise our faith in, in Him. We just want Him to do it and, it, and it will be the end of it. However, the most of the time, God will require us to take a step of faith in order that we might experience the victory. God has a plan, but for this plan to work, it requires faith on our part. Faith without works is dead. See, the same is true for you and me. As long as we are trying to solve our own problems, we are not walking in faith, it is when we turn loose of the reins of the problems and, and, and step away from it and let the Lord have it 
that we will see it taken care of for his glory. It never is about what we can do. It's all about what he can do. But then I want you to notice not only the problem, the plan, but notice the parting. Look there in verse 16. It says this, That the waters which come down, or came down from above, stood and rose up upon a heap very far from the city Adam, that is beside Zaratan, and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea, failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. When the priests stepped into the raging river, it parted and God opened a path of dry ground. The, and by the way, verse 16 says that the waters backed up to the city of Adam. This is some 20 miles north of where the children of Israel were crossing. God made them a path through the water that was more than adequate for the people to go through. We need to remember that faith honors God and God honors faith. When he moves in power and takes care of the problem, it won't be just a patch-up job ready to fall apart. It will be done right and it will be done forever. I want to encourage you today by reminding you that this God who did the great thing for Israel is the same God that we serve today and is able to do the same for Putnamville Baptist Church. Is the same God that can do it for me. Is the same God that can do it for you. Our God was able way back then, and He's still able today. Regardless of any situation, circumstances, or problems, He is still able. He is still God. We need to learn to expect miracles when you are dealing with God. Notice the message, the miracle, but then I want you to notice finally the memorial. When all the people had passed over Jordan, Joshua commanded one man from each tribe of the twelve tribes to get a rock from the midst of the Jordan, and to build a memorial on the Canaan side. Now, there's a purpose for this memorial. The Bible tells us that the purpose of this memorial was to remind future generations to come uh, uh, um, what God had done on their behalf. The memorial would, would, would be an important landmark to those who would come after. I believe we need to erect some memorials in our lives as well. We need to remember the things that God has done for us and through us and, and, and uh, so we can tell others about it. We want to remember the great works of our God that when we pass that way again that we will be able to remember what God has done for us in the past. He's still able to do for us again. Never forget what the Lord has done for you in your yesterdays. As believers, we need to erect some visible memorials to, for the glory of God. When the Lord lo- works in our lives, we should memorialize that event. And we should talk about it. We should share it with others. We should write about it. We should spread the word about what God had done. Not for our glory. Hey, look what God done for me and tooting our own horn. But for the glory of God. Look what God has done in my life. And if God has done it for me, he can do it for you as well. 
We should honor him for his faithful work in our lives. Listen, there will be some others coming along behind us. My children, your children, your grandchildren are coming up behind us. And they need to see some memorials. They need to see some things that God has done in your life. Hey, don't be silent about what God has done for you. Witness of what God has done for you so that they can see, uh, so your children and your children's children and your neighbor's children and, and others can see what God has done for you so they can, they can see that God is faithful and that God can do it for them as well. As they journey and seek to grow in the Lord, they need to be able to see a memorial left by those who have gone on before them. We have many of those monuments around this place. Some are human, some are less tangible, but they are all very real reminders of the power of God. We're reminded every time we gather here that God has worked among His people to carry them over Jordan. Those reminders tell us all who pass them that God is faithful, that He's powerful, that He is able. We need to remember the purpose of memorial, but also the picture. It's interesting to notice that Joshua constructed two monuments. Look there in verse 9. It says, And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. Now in verse 20, it says this. I'm sorry, I'm in the... Must be in the wrong chapter here. Okay, in verse, uh, chapter 4. It says in verse 9, And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priest which bear the ark of the covenant stood, and, there, uh, and they are there unto this day. And then in verse 20, And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. It's interesting to notice that Joshua constructed two monuments. They built one on the bank and one in the middle of the river. That seems kind of weird for me. To, why would they build one in the middle? Well, we'll, we'll read about that in just a, or tell you about that in just a moment. Now, these two memorials serve two distinct purposes. Notice what they are. Number one, it, it pictures the faithfulness of God. Verse 20 again, it says, And those twelve stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal. The, the one on the bank of Jordan stood as a testimony to the faithfulness of God. It was there to remind others of what the Lord had done and what He could do. Now, what about the rocks that are in a pile that's in, in the river? No one could see it but God. It stood as a monument to the faith of the people. You see, when you face a time of trial, others are often guilty of misjudging your motives, your actions, what you're doing, what you're, why you're doing it. Others are guilty of doing that. Only God knows the truth about your heart. Even though Israel couldn't see it, they knew the monument was still there. They remembered that they had believed God then and it had worked. This was a monument in their hearts. We need those same kind of monuments as well. As I said, too often others misjudge us in times uh, of trial, but God alone knows your heart. 
when you have trusted him and he has brought you through, never forget it. Build a monument in your heart. Don't ever forget it. Remind yourself often where only God can see it and where you will never forget it. Then when the tough times come again, you then uh, they, and they will, look at that monument of his faithfulness and of your faith and know that what worked before will work again. God will bring you through any obstacle. Remember when David and Goliath fought? Before he went into battle, King Saul tried to clothe David in his, uh, his uh, armor. And David refused it because he had never, found, uh, never fought in that armor before. And, and, and before, it was, uh, it was, uh, the armor was designed for a much larger man. Yet, when David killed the giant, he took the giant's armor into his tent. Why did he do this? It was a memorial. It was a reminder that no matter how great the obstacle, no matter how big it was, it is nothing when it's placed along the God of heaven. In conclusion this morning, some of you are facing obstacles, facing troubled waters. I want you to know that you can, you can claim the victory. You can claim, I want to invite you to come before the Lord today. Tell him about your problem. Tell him, yes, he knows what's going on, but tell him about what you're going through. And tell him, just be honest with him. Say, Lord, I, I can't get through this. I need your help. See, there's a place of victory where you can shout in spite of your troubles. The first step is getting there. The first step in getting there is dealing with that, with what is keeping you from getting out. It may be sin, it may be some person, it may be some trial. I don't know what it is, but God is greater. Won't you come and let Him give you the victory this morning? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We need to claim the victory. God has already given us the victory in our, if you're a Christian this morning, if you've been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have the victory that overcometh the world. But so many Christians today are living in spiritual apathy. They're living in, they're living in decay, if you will. They're, living, they're not living the victorious Christian life. But God wants us to claim those promises. God wants us to claim those victories. And he wants you to have the abundant life. We need to focus on him. We need to follow him and we need to fear him. Heads are bowed this morning. You say, Pastor, I don't even know for sure if I was to die today, I'd go to heaven. Pastor, please pray for me. Anyone like that this morning, please. Pastor, pray for me. I just don't know for sure. Maybe you hear and you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I'm not living for God like I should. Pastor, please pray for me. Maybe you hear and you say, Pastor, I'm going through some problems. I'm going through some trials. I'm going through, I'm going through some, some storms in my life. I need your prayers. Pastor, please pray for me. Anyone like that? I see those hands. I'm going to just challenge you to find a place at the altar, whatever it may be this morning, however God has spoke to you. Just be obedient to him. 
Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for speaking to our hearts as only you can. Lord, I pray that you'll take this message, apply it to our hearts and our lives, so we may be better servants for thee. Lord, that we may see these obstacles, these problems, these trials that we face, and Lord, realize that nothing, nothing, Lord, can uh, hinder us from the victory when you have already given it to us. Lord, all we have to do is claim it. All we have to do is do our part and fight for it. Lord, we do thank you for what you're going to do. If for that one that's nearest hell this morning, I pray that you save them before it's eternally too late. For those that realize there's some, uh, Lord, there's some valleys, some storms that they're going through, Lord, I pray that you would help them to focus on you. Lord, that they would follow you and whatever you tell them to do. And then, Lord, they would fear you with a holy reverence. Lord, thank you for what you're going to do. We'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. As heads are bowed and eyes are closed, would you stand to your feet as Miss Haley begins to play? God has spoke to your heart. I'm going to challenge you to find a place at the altar. Won't you come? God has spoke to you this morning. Claim your victory. I believe God wants us to have the victory. God has put it, put it out there for us. Faith without works is dead. Oh, I just expect God to do something. Well, that's fine. But God may have told you to take your part in it too. See, it took the children of Israel to step by faith. To walk out. So many of us are scared to live by faith. But the just shall live by faith. That which is not of faith is sin. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for being here this morning. As the men coming forward, we'll take up this morning's tithes and offerings. I want to remind you of a couple things. On March the 1st, missionary David Canning is going to be with us. Uh, he was one of my students there when I was teaching there at Good Shepherd. And he's a fine young man. He's got a wife and I think three babies now. And so you uh, be here. He'll present the ministry, uh, do a video, I believe, in the morning service. And then he'll preach in the afternoon service. And so you come support this young man and his family as they get prepared to go enter the mission field. And then March the 7th is our prayer breakfast. Uh, our mission of the week, Eric and Christine Mossman. Our Deacon of the Week, Brother Adam Amos. Our Trustee of the Week, Brother Tim Watson. And our uh, Family of the Week, Miss Virginia Arnold. Remember these folks in your prayers if you would. Also, happy birthday to Brother Sean and Miss Kimberly McGinnis. Um, uh, Miss uh, 
Brother Sean is one day younger, it looks like, than Miss Kimberly. And so, but anyways, and then also happy birthday to Miss, uh, Miss Martha Shaw. So uh, make sure you wish these folks a happy birthday. All right, let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Brother Jimmy, sir, would you please? Let's all stand. We'll close some word of prayer. We'll take about a five-minute break, and then we'll have our afternoon service. All right. Brother Ed, sir, would you close us in a word of prayer? 